0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com We are involved in the second Sunday uh, today of a series that we are entitling My Church. Everybody say My Church. There's something that Uh, transpires when there is buy-in on our part to what God has already established. God has established his church, and then because it's his, he gives us the opportunity to personalize it and simply say, it is my church. (laughs) I am going to attempt today by the power of the Holy Spirit, to give you a a word of revelation about how your church can empower you. And uh, when I say something like that, well, I know that there are some that all automatically start thinking, well, what is he going to give away today? Uh, I know I've had the privilege of standing in an ice cream truck with Pastor Tommy and giving everybody an ice cream uh, uh, after a service. Man, that was cool. They lined up and stood there for hours like it was the feeding of the 5,000 or something uh, to get an ice cream sandwich. Uh, Most people think, man, if I am a part of a church that is going to empower me, there's got to be... There, there, there's, it's got to come from the natural side of things. Well, I think if you'll listen to what I teach today, you'll find out that there is always a direct correlation between the spiritual blessings of God and what goes on in our natural lives. And one thing that we pledge that Calvary Church is and always will be, it will be not a place of condemnation, but it will be a place of personal empowerment. Yes, sir. It will not just be a place where there are big eyes and little U's, but rather it will be a place for you to grow and for you to be empowered, for you to be blessed, for your family to uh, have the blessings of God uh, rain upon them. And this is where I take you today in Scripture. It is the New Testament book of Galatians, chapter number 3. And this portion of Scripture really (coughs) is what brought about the great Protestant Reformation under Martin Luther when he got a revelation himself in this portion of Scripture that I'm sharing with my audience today. Chapter number 3 of Galatians, verse 11 This is what Paul said to the believers at Galatia. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. In other words, Paul is making the case that a new covenant has come. A new covenant has been established and it is not the covenant of the law. How many of you are glad that we live under a... Dispensation of grace rather than a dispensation of law. Three of you are glad and the rest of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Could I just simply say that Jesus came and died on the cross to fulfill all of the law and the prophets past. He did not come to do away with them, but he wrapped them up in one great bundle and nailed all of the rules and the regulations. There were 614 of them that had evolved that people had to try to live by. And how many of you know that it's hard enough to live by Ten Commandments rather than 614 laws and rules, okay? And Jesus came and made it possible that we might have the power and the ability to live for God through the new covenant of grace. And Paul says, for the revelation that comes in this is that the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live by them. So if he says, if you are going to continue to live by the rules and the laws of the old covenant, you are going to be responsible for all of them. But if you come under the grace of the Savior, Lord Jesus, then you are living by faith and not by law. And then he says this, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. In other words, when Jesus hung on that tree, he took all of our sins and all of our curses and nailed them to the cross once and for all. And then, this is my text today today. For this service. My church empowers people and it says that the reason Jesus did that was that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I want to talk a little bit today about how to be empowered in your life, and it is through this blessing of Abraham. I want to just make it very, very clear at the outset of this lesson today that if Jesus died for it, I want it. Amen. Is there anybody in the house that would just lift your hand and say, I'm with you, Bishop Ron, I'm with you today today? Uh, If Jesus died for it, then I want it in my personal life. Well, the Bible says that he died so that we might be ushered in to a blessed state and a blessing on our life called the blessing of Abraham. Maybe prior to this service, if somebody met you after a Sunday service and said, what is the blessing of Abraham, you would probably look with a blank stare and say, I have no clue what the blessing of Abraham is. And yet today, when you go to your car after the service, I'm praying that you will have received the engrafted word of God and you will never forget what the blessing of Abraham is because it is that that will empower you to do what God has called you to do. Let me set the stage for you very rapidly today. Genesis 14 gives us the scriptural background for the blessing of Abraham. This chapter opens with a man by the name of Abram, who is living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees, which was a very unfertile and rocky place. It was not a good place to live. In fact, it was a place that served many gods. It was polytheistic. They served many gods and did not have a god that reigned above all other gods. This is where Abram hailed from. He had given his lot, uh, his nephew Lot the, the right and, and the choice to choose a different life. And so Lot had chosen to go to the well-watered plains of an area that was nearby called Sodom and Gomorrah. In those days, you would find that there was no rule of law, and it seemed like that it was kind of like the American Wild West. If an individual could gather to him a few followers, he would declare himself to be the king over those followers, and therefore he would be in a place of power. And so it was in this particular scripture setting that there were five kings that got into a conflict with four other kings and they went to war. So it was in chapter 14 of Genesis that we find that the four kings actually defeated the five kings including the kings of both Sodom and Gomorrah. And so the four kings are now reaping the rewards of their battle and they have the spoils of war to themselves and they're marching through the countryside feeling real good about uh, lesser numbers defeating more numbers. And this, when word got to this man Abram from Ur of the Chaldees, he actually got very upset. Here his own family had been taken captive. And so Abram gathered up 318 members of his family and of his servants that were trained in battle and war. And he took out after these four kings that had just taken his own nephew and his family captive. And so when he got there, he actually was so angry that his servants took authority And won a battle against these four kings. And so now Abram has the spoil of the five kings and the four kings. How about that for a windfall? My dad taught me a little lesson when I was young. And it was this, son, never start a fight. But if you have to fight, make sure you do one thing. Anybody have an idea what that is? Win. Oh, I wish I could put some of that winning attitude in some of you. Because some of you let every king of this world take you captive. Some of you just settle in and whatever the latest battle of the culture and the latest battle of the week, you lift your hands and surrender and say, "Uh, I'll just give in to it. Well, I want you to know that Abram was a man of promise. He had a promise on his life. And you cannot take a man, a promise, and put him in a situation that he doesn't believe God can get him out of. I need to tell somebody here today that if you are a child of promise, if you're a child of God, there's a promise over your life. And you need to understand that God's going to bring you out if you will walk with him in faith believing Abraham staggered not at the promises of God and God counted it to his sake for righteousness. Somebody say amen while I take a drink of water or I'm going to sit and hold this bottle. (laughs) Amen. So, abram has got all the spoils of war. He's got sheep. He's got oxen. He's got camels. He's got Persian rugs. He has just hit the mother load of gold and jewels. He's got servants. His, his cachet has just multiplied because now he's defeated the four kings that defeated the five kings. And he's got all the spoils of war. And he's marching back to his home. He's marching back to tent to his tent when suddenly God interrupts this little victory party. Could I simply say that if God ever stops you somewhere on your journey of life, you need to listen to what God's got to say. Because my God is a God of blessing. My God is a God of purpose. My God is a God that has a future for his children. And now God stops Abram after he has won this battle in the middle of the road in a theophany that is called Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate person, a presentation of a high priest representing The high priest that would ultimately come who is Jesus Christ, our high priest. You understand that in the old covenant, Christ had not come bodily yet. And yet there were several times in the pages of the old uh, old covenant that God wanted to appear to individuals. And so he appeared in things called theophanies. He appeared to Moses in a burning bush he appeared to Abram in Melchizedek, a high priest. And when Melchizedek stepped out in the middle of the road and stopped Abram and said to him, I want you to come to my tent and I want us to take communion together, Abram now went into a covenant relationship with the high priest Melchizedek. And this is what happened. This is where I'm going Listen carefully. In that meeting with Melchizedek, God in flesh in the person of a high priest stops Abram and this high priest pronounces the blessing of Abram upon him in Genesis 14 and 18. Listen to scripture today. And then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine For he was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram and said, now this is the blessing of Abram. He said, blessed be Abram of God most high. Everybody say God most high. high. Why did he start out by saying I'm going to bless you Abram with a blessing of God most high? You want me to tell you? Because Abram was raised in an atmosphere of idol worship. He was raised in an atmosphere where there were many gods. Could I go on record as telling somebody today, if you want the blessing of the Most High God upon your life, you need to know who the Most High God is. He's not one of many gods. There's not many ways to him. There is one way to him. And Melchizedek simply says, I'm going to start this blessing by giving you a revelation of who is doing the blessing, Abram. So I want to bless you by the power of the Most High God. When I began to study this out, you know what that Most High God represents from the original? It said he is the God El Elyon. El capital E-L-Y-O-N. He is the God El Elyon. Why did not he say to Abram, "He is the God El Elohim," or the God Jehovah Jireh, or the God the God El Shaddai? He did not use any of those names of God in the blessing of Abraham, but he said. The God most high, the God above other gods, is the God that will elevate you. I want to tell you today that the blessing and the empowerment of God, the blessing of Abraham on your life, involves the God of elevation. Put your neighbor and say, you're you're on your way up. Pardon me. Anybody in the house, anybody in the house remember where you were when God found you? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I remember where I was when God found me. I was a little old ignorant Arkansas kid. I did have hair. I did have freckles. Lived in a little town with no buildings over two stories high. That was my future. I thought that was the Empire State Building, a two-story building. I mean, it was pretty bleak. Wow. And then I got the blessing of Abraham on my life. In which I got a revelation that God most high had his hand on my life. And my life began to be turned around by the God of elevation. I wish I could preach to somebody right now. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know where you've been. That's the reason I can preach openly from my heart today and tell you that when you hook up in covenant with the El Elyon, the God that elevates, God never does leave you where he finds you. Could I tell you that now I look back on my life and I can say that every step of the way I have found that there was always a God there that had a magnet that was pulling me to a higher place. That was pulling me to a higher level of living. Hallelujah to God. Somebody needs to get happy today at 11 o'clock on this spring Sunday morning and simply say, when God touched my life, I began on an upward spiral of elevation. Let me just simply serve notice on someone today that if you are in a relationship with the God of the Bible... And nothing has changed in your life Then I would submit to you that there's either something wrong with your relationship Or there is something wrong with your understanding Because God when he makes covenant with you, he doesn't leave you where he found you He always lifts you to a higher place When I married Sherry almost 48 years ago, I thought I was the most mature thing in the world I was a child of God, and all I had was a hundred dollars. And man, I thought we were going to go spend a most lavish honeymoon on a hundred dollars. Could I tell you that because I bought her and, her and me a steak dinner, we ran out of money about Wednesday of our week, uh, our week's honeymoon. And you know what we did instead? We, we Man, we were blessed and highly favored. We had $100. And you know what? The other thing was that we both had jobs. So when we ran out of money (laughs) on the honeymoon, we came back home and went to work. (laughs) I would suggest to you that if the blessing of Abraham is on you, do what our pastor teaches us That faith is not inactive, but faith is active. If God is in covenant with you, begin to expect God to lift you higher and then apply everything that you can do within your power to uplift the God that is lifting you higher. When you are reaching up to Him, He will be reaching down to you to lift you to a higher place. Somebody say amen. Amen to the Word of God. Let me tell you how it works. When you meet the El Elyon, the God of elevation, and your life begins to be blessed by what Christ purchased on the cross, things will begin to improve in your life. Things will start to pick up. Let me tell you what will happen. God is an elevating God, and He can fix anything that is wrong in your world. You can make some some uh, beautiful messes in your life. But you know what? In every mess that I've ever made, I found that because of the blessing of God was on my life, that God would come down and get involved in my beautiful mess and say, I'm not going to leave you there, Ron. I'm going to lift you out of it. I'm going to take you to a better place, a higher place. Did you know that when you begin to cut covenant with the God of Abraham, that God can maximize your abilities? And God can multiply your talents. And God can give you greater desires than you ever thought possible. And God can multiply and give you a dream like you have never dreamed before. When you come into covenant with God, over time he will begin to exalt your marriage He will begin to lift up your business. He will begin to bless the lives of your children. He will give you dreams to dream, greater dreams than you ever thought was possible in your mind and your heart. What are you saying, Bishop Ron? I'm simply trying to tell somebody here today that you are in a church that believes in the elevating power of God's blessings in people's lives. You're not here to be beaten down you're here to have God's goodness revealed in your life. God can take you from nowhere and take you somewhere. Yes, sir. You may be down today, but God's there to lift you up. He won't leave you in your down condition. He takes you from where you are to where he is. And he says, I know that you're down today. But I'm going to get down with you, and I'm going to be lifting you to a higher place. He is the God of elevation. Let me tell you what God does in elevating people. In the Old Testament, there was a little hooker by the name of Rahab that lived in a city named Jericho. What are you laughing about? That's what she was. She was a, she, she was a lady of ill repute. She was a lady uh, uh, that did not have a good reputation. She was a lady that had no future, but because she allowed her home to be opened up to the spies that were spying out a new land of promise for God's children, and she showed kindness to these gentlemen in her home, God took her and began to elevate her life and actually took her past and put it behind her and made her a part of the bloodline of the Messiah himself. Last Sunday we heard that this church believes in families and God took Gideon who was mentioned last week and took him from being a coward and made him a mighty man of valor. There's some people in this church that God found you at a place that you're not proud of. I'm preaching about some of you that God found you that were bound by alcohol and drugs and all kinds of things that, that, that have the pull, that pull people in a spiral downward in life. And wherever God found you, when you cut covenant with him and the blessing of Abraham came on your life, you begin to see that God is a God that lifts you up instead of allowing your life to go further down. There's a guy that is in Hawaii today with all his family. He's a member of this church. And when he was 28 years old, he was an alcoholic. Asked Jerry if I could use him as an example. Jerry Downs, 28-year-old alcoholic, had a wife and two sons, and he had no future. But he ran into my father, who was an old-time gospel preacher that did not condemn him, but that would go and sit with him and show friendship to him. And you know what? That was one of the early, early small groups. My dad would take care of Tim and Jeff Downs, who were little bitty boys, while my mother taught Jerry and Brenda Downs a, a Bible study. And you know what? God delivered him out of the bondage of alcoholism. And all these years later, he has become a successful businessman through the years. And now he is with his entire family on the beach somewhere in Hawaii, I hope, drinking something that's good. <laughs> Go ahead and punch, you. punch your neighbor and say, he's just an old preacher. Second thing that Melchizedek said is going to be a part of your life, Abram, and this is what Jesus died for, for our lives, Paul said, is this. He said, the God that you're serving, the most high God, is a God of possessor of heaven and earth. In other words, when you hook up with this God, Abram you're going to have ties to all that heaven holds and you're also going to have ties to everything that this, worth, this world holds. I'm going to preach right now just a little bit. Put on your seatbelt. When I was a kid, I grew up in an atmosphere and some of you don't know about this, but that's what elders are for to tell you a little bit about the history and the past. I grew up in an environment where we got so heavenly minded we weren't much earthly good. because somebody told us on a regular basis that you better get ready, you better get ready because the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. And we just thought that because the Lord was coming that uh, we didn't need anything of of, of this world's goods down here because we we were living in rapture hysteria. In fact, I used to go to youth camp and they would have rapture drills. This is blowing some of you away, but listen to an old preacher. Have rapture drills where they'd get about three or four hundred of us young people out there and have us jump just as high as we could jump. And I'd look around and say, "What is this?" And they said, "Because we're 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 letting you practice what it feels like for gravity to let hold uh, let go of you. So when the trump of God sounds, or gravity's gonna bless Patty, I'm not gonna have to jump when the trump of God sounds." Some of you, I know pastors nervous right now because I'm, I'm blowing some of you away because you never have heard this stuff. You know, I have, a friend, I have a preacher friend of mine that says that there's a thin line between God and goofy. You can bump right up against God and get real goofy or you can stay within the confines of his word and the Bible says that God's will for us is this, to occupy until he does come. You know what that term occupy means? That means to take authority and to take control and to be blessed. Hallelujah to God. There was a mindset, well, we're going to fly away soon and therefore we're just going to be renters and not owners. I don't know about you, but as long as you're a renter, you're always paying somebody else. If you're an owner, somebody else is paying you. I don't know which one you like to do best. But as for me, I'd rather somebody be paying me as me paying somebody else. Nudge your neighbor and say, it's not wrong to rent. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Good. Right. Oh, help me, Jesus. Could I tell you that Psalm 24, you need to get a hold of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is what it says. The earth is the Lord's. Everybody say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell in it. So I've got good news if the earth's is the Lord's and he has all the possessions of heaven, it's not wrong for us to take things out of the powers of darkness on this earth and bring them into the kingdom of light. Every time that you buy a piece of property or you buy something and you're a child of God, you're taking it out of the kingdom of darkness and you're bringing it into the kingdom of light and you're saying, now God, I'm gonna possess it for the glory of God and I want your blessings on everything that you bless me with. Hallelujah to God. Some of you are gonna go out and buy something this week. You know what this blessing was on Abraham? It was this Abraham, lift up your eyes and look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. Whatever you can see, Abraham, that's what I'm going to give you. I think it's pertinent that I stop right here and ask this audience that I ministered to today. What are you seeing in your life? Are you buying into the culture that says everything's going down? Are you buying into the blessing of Abraham when God says, "What can you see, Abraham?" And if you lift up your eyes and look, where whatever you can see, I'm going to I'm going to bless you with that kind of blessing. And you don't have to be bashful about it because it's the blessing of Abraham that I'm putting on your life. Lift up your head and look. Let me ask you, can you see a better marriage? Can you see a better future? Can you see a better life? Can you see a better ministry? Can you see your business prospering and being blessed? I can almost hear somebody say, Bishop Ron, I, 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 I never can see myself with that. Well, could I just let you in on a secret? If you can't see yourself with it, you'll never have it. If you cannot allow your eyes of faith to rise up and see and say, I am a child of Abraham and Jesus purchased that I might have the blessing of Abraham on my life then therefore you will never have what God has already purchased for you on the cross. For he said, I'm a God of elevation, and I'm also a God of possession. Let me drop something on you right here that I've studied out. There's not anybody in this building that has any real difficult blessing someone that is less fortunate than we are. Somebody's in need, oh, that makes us feel good to bless them. And to give them something. But you know what I found out about this blessing of Abraham? Abraham is being blessed of God. And then God tells everybody else this. He says, and Abram, I'm going to bless those that bless you. And I'm going to curse those that curse you. In other words, if there's anyone that buys into this, and can buy into the blessing of Abraham and say, I'm going to be willing and I'm mature enough to bless someone that is being blessed of God instead of blessing someone that is less fortunate than I am, then the Bible teaches that that's the only way to have a hundredfold blessing in your life is to get to the place where you can bless the blessed. Abraham, why do you need people to bless you after God's blessed you? Because Abram became the father of the faithful. And he became blessed of God. And the blessing of Abraham was on him. And then God says, anyone that chooses to bless Abraham, he's on my side. I'm going to bless him. Oh, I wish that God would drop it deep within the heart of Calvary Church. That every time we come into the presence of God, we begin to see and feel how blessed we are. And we're elevated above where we ever thought we would be. We are blessed with possessions and houses and lands and cars and a little jingle in our pocket. And when we come into the house of God, it's no problem for us to bless the God of our provision with our blessings that he has already blessed us with. And then, thirdly, the blessing of Abraham has to do with this. Melchizedek said, Abram, what God's gonna do for you is he's gonna deliver your enemies into your hands. Wow. Wow. I'm kind of tired, personally, of letting culture define who we are. Could I just go on record today as saying I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Libertarian? Fooey on all that stuff. It's dirty and filthy anyway. It divides people. It tears people apart. The worst part of it now, they've come up with the internet, they've come up with social media where we tear one another apart and all of us become experts on our opinion. Oh boy, that went over big. Could I just simply confess who I am today publicly? I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who I am. You know how I'm going to live my life? Not by the changing fads of this world. Not by some social media opinion or some tweet that somebody puts out about somebody, whether it comes from the White House or the Outhouse. I don't, I, I don't care about that stuff because it really is not of, of God. It's not of God. You know what it is of God? That we know who we are in Christ Jesus. And that we know that we are elevated by the power of the cross. And that we know that we are blessed to be the head and not the tail. We are blessed with the possessions of God's possession. And then, thirdly, we know that we are in a place of dominion over every foe that comes against us. Could I stand and say boldly today that you're a part of a church here at Calvary that believes that you can be an overcomer. You don't have to live your life under the circumstances. You can come out from under the circumstances of life. And with God, this walk is yay and amen. Amen. Yay and amen. How many of you are glad that God can have a word for you on Monday morning as well as on Sunday morning? How many of you are glad it's the same God that's with you on Wednesday on hump day? How many of you are glad that God's with you on Friday when the week is winding down and he's with you on Saturday because you are under the canopy of the blessing of Abraham? It empowers you. I close with this. There's no one in the Bible that demonstrates all three of these points more than a young man by the name of David. David was the eighth son of a man by the name of Jesse. And God was trying to find the next king of Israel. And so seven sons of Jesse lined up for the man of God to go by. And as Samuel walked by each one of them, the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. Is there anybody in the house that's glad that even though you have felt at times that you were overlooked by life, that God has a ministry of the eighth child. Somebody said, is there another son? And Jesse said, yeah, I have a son, but he's out tending to the sheep. You probably wouldn't be interested in him. And Samuel said, go go and bring him. And when David walked in, the Bible says that his complexion was ruddy, but he was good-looking. And the Holy Spirit said, that's your man right there. That's the man to replace Saul. That's the next king of Israel. And when Samuel took his horn of oil and began to anoint David, he was just a young man and his time had not yet come to ascend to the throne. But ladies and gentlemen, if you ever get the blessing and the anointing of Abraham on your life, it's gonna give you dominion. It's going to give you possessions. It's going to give you elevation. From that time, David walked out to face Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, a man that was an expert with a short sword, an expert with a spear, an expert with a javelin. He could handle all of the the weapons of that day. But when the anointing came on David, All he needed was five little rocks and a slingshot with the anointing and the blessing of Abraham on his life. And when he knocked Goliath down, he went up to him and drew Goliath's own sword and defeated him with his own sword. I just stopped by to tell somebody today in closing, that God specializes when you're under the blessing of Abraham, God specializes in defeating your enemies with their own weapons. God has the ability to take the weapon out of the enemy's hand and defeat him with his own weapon. And now David goes up to Jaboth, and there there are there there, there are many fierce warriors there. And he takes the head of this giant with him that he has just slain. And he holds it up and he said, Guys, see this, I've been in a skirmish or two myself. And he said, I want you to know that no matter what you've done, I just want to, I want to show you the head of Goliath and I'll be back to take this territory. You know what he took when he went back? He took Jaboth, which is now the holy city Jerusalem and David reestablished the kingdom of Jehovah God in Jerusalem you say Bishop Ron what are you saying today I'm just simply saying that when you leave this house I would hope that you would be desirous of the blessing of Abraham in your life because if it was important enough for Jesus to die for it I want it I want to be elevated by the hand of God. I want to take possession of that that belongs to the enemies and I want to use it for the glory of God. I want to bless the blessed. I want to bless the blessed so that a hundredfold blessing would be on my life. I want to be in dominion over every enemy that I shall face. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. You stand? Let me tell you about what kind of church Calvary Church is. Our great pastor has so adeptly attempted to lead us as a church into what is called small group ministry. You've heard him say it over and over again, life is better together. Life is better when you are connecting with people that are blessed. When somebody can speak a blessing over you and bless your home and your kids and your family and Whatever you're going through, you don't have to go through it alone. Could I stand here and confess something to you? This year marks 50 years of gospel ministry for me. There's a 17 year old kid that God called, and I'll never forget what, how God did it. was blessed the other night when my granddaughter Chloe came over and we sat on a couch and her question was Papa tell me the story tell me the story of your life tell me the story of 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 how God called you and I shared that with her and it was such a blessing generationally 50 years of gospel ministry not too much of it I haven't seen, too much of it I haven't experienced in a half a century. But as many of you in this congregation know that 10 months ago, this last Friday, mine and Sherry's world changed. And We have been called on this last 10 months to walk through the valley of grief that I would never wish For anyone else to ever be called on to walk. But let me tell you what kind of church you're a part of. We joined a group this last month, a small group. It's led by a couple in this church that he lost a son, and his wife lost a son our pastor had reached out to them and had ministered to them several years ago. And he had done it with love and compassion. And now they are leading a group that's ministering to Sherry and I every week. We don't go to try to lead a group or to try to tell anybody what we know because what do we know? We're just walking through the valley of the shadow of trying to get a grip on grace and trying to embrace the blessing of Abraham on our lives. Isn't it kind of strange that a 50-year preacher would be sitting at the feet of a man that for 42 years was an alcoholic but God gloriously saved him and turned his life around. And now every week I go and sit in his home and feel the ministry of the Holy Spirit from a person in this congregation that is ministering to my life. I can't make the case strong enough, ladies and gentlemen. Life goes better together when you begin to understand God. Connect my life some with someone today so that I can be a blessing and they can be a blessing. And together we walk in the covenant of Abraham. Elevation, possession, and dominion. Would you bow your heads all over this room today? Would you reach over and take somebody by the hand if they're standing close? Hallelujah. I wonder if you'd pray this prayer after me. Would you do that? Dear Jesus, I really love you. The man said that you died, that I might have the blessing of Abraham. Well, today I claim that blessing in my life. I will no longer live beneath the surface struggling to get to the top but Lord I will yield myself to the elevation of the Holy Spirit and God I will receive the blessings that you send into my life with dignity. And God, I will bless your kingdom therewith. And God, I will show up for battle, Lord. I will have dominion over all forces and all enemies in my life. And God, I thank you for your promise. And I ask you to let me leave here today empowered and lifted up by the word of faith and by the goodness of heaven in Jesus name somebody shout amen come on let's give it up for the God of Abraham glory to God yes amen 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 Your ticket to dismissal from this house today is to find somebody and just pronounce a blessing of Abraham upon them. Would you do that? Would you just say, you're blessed. I'm glad to do life with you. God bless you. Now, go be blessed and have something nice to eat. Would you do that? You're blessed and highly favored of God. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen.